Well, take your Bible this morning and go to the book of Psalms and chapter 26, Psalm 26. I call your attention to verse number two, Psalm 26 and verse two. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, and try my reins and my heart. Examine me. Revival is a good time to examine our hearts, isn't it? You put revivals on the calendar at your church back home from time to time. Your pastor has some special meetings where you might call it revival or a week of awakening as we do here. It's a time where we kind of know that God wants to do a little work in our hearts. He wants to examine us. He wants to dig beneath the surface a little bit and show us some of the needs in our lives. This week coming up is a week of examination. We think of exams coming later in the spring after we have some classes. But with God, he likes to start with an exam. He likes to show us what we need first so that he can begin to work and teach us those things that are lacking or those things that need encouragement. And so it's a time of examination. A number of years ago, my family and I, we were holding a revival in Indiana. It was wintertime, it was January, about the third week, and uh, there was no snow on the ground, but it was very cold. And we were leaving that meeting after finishing on a Friday night, and we were going to travel on Saturday over to Danville, Illinois. Not a very long trip, probably maybe three or four hours in total. And, uh, but it was wintertime, and, and uh, of course, traveling with a, with a trailer in those days, pulling it with a truck and 16,000-pound trailer. There were some precautions. I would take a good look at the weather always and make sure that I knew that we'd have clear roads or maybe sometimes would decide to take a little bit longer route if it uh, allowed us to stay on interstates and those kinds of things. And so kind of checked all that out and Saturday morning got up at a good hour and, and uh, hooked everything up and got on the way. And uh, we were traveling along on I-74 there in Illinois, Indiana. We, we were just almost to Illinois and in Indiana still and traveling along at about 65 miles an hour, pulling this trailer with our uh, crew cab uh, truck. And uh, the sun was shining. As I said, there was no snow on the ground, but the, the ground was extremely hard and it was cold. It was winter, but no snow and a clear day. And we're just sailing along down the interstate when all of a sudden crash. And the first thing I felt was the steering wheel being pulled to my right. Then I realized that something had happened with our rear axle on our truck. What had happened was those two wheels, the two wheels on the back of our truck, a dual wheel truck, we had two on the back, they had sheared off. And one tire, the first tire that left the vehicle, it went straight back 
into our trailer and ripped the entire siding of the trailer off. We had a 40-foot trailer, and it, it, just, it just caught some of that siding and, and just, just skinned it right off. I'm seeing this a little bit in my right side view mirror. The second tire, when it came off, it cleared the truck and went down into the ditch. It is not flat. It just, it just sheared off. So it's bounding on this hard ground down into the, into the interstate ditch. In fact, it was moving so fast, it was passing us. We were coming to a stop very, very quickly. I mean, the weight of that trailer on the back of that truck just brought us down fast. And within probably 50 feet, we had skidded to, the, to a stop alongside the interstate. I watched that tire as it continued on its journey. And it went down that, that, that ditch about, about uh, uh, 100 yards, and it kept bouncing, and it was going at a high rate of speed. It, it came off of that truck at 65 miles an hour, and it seemed like it was picking up speed as it traveled further on. It finally hit the fence that was uh, down in that ditch. It bounded off that fence and started back over the freeway. There was a man traveling. He passed us as all this was happening. And all of a sudden, he sees this tire attacking him from the right. And he is swerving to try to avoid it. It then went down through the median between the, the two sides of the freeway and crossed the other side. Fortunately, there was no one coming the other direction right at that moment. And it went over into the median on the other side of the highway, hit the fence, and came to a stop. I went and retrieved it surveyed the damage. We were fine. We were okay. Uh, fortunately, God was good. And uh, I thought, how did that happen? I mean, how do, how do tires just come off your vehicle like that? I was dumbfounded. Someone stopped and we were able to uh, get taken to the next exit and we found a little repair shop there and and uh, we got a, a tow truck and towed everything into this repair shop. And on a Saturday, we weren't sure if we were going to get anything repaired or not or find, find the things that we needed. But this, this little mechanic, he got it all put back together. And uh, we were back on the road probably within about eight hours. But I said to that little mechanic after it was all said and done, I said, sir, how did that happen? And he said, come here. And he took me over to my old rims. He had taken the tires off because they were still fine and put them on some new rims. He said, look at these rims. And I, I looked at them and I didn't see anything at first that was terribly wrong with them until I looked a little closer. There were eight lug nuts that held those rims onto my truck. There were eight little holes. And as I looked at those holes, I did see something unusual. They weren't round. They weren't circular. They were oval. He said, do you see it? I said, yeah, there's something wrong with those holes. He said, do you know why they're like that? I said, I have no idea. He said, how often do you check your lug nuts? I said, never. He said, that's why. He said, one of your lug nuts probably became a little bit loose. 
And as a result of being loose, it began to work just a little bit over time. It would work. It had a little bit of play there. It began to work. And pretty soon another one loosened, and it began to work. And pretty soon they all loosened, and they began to work. And pretty soon they were working so much that it just sheared those lug nuts right off. He said, I would recommend that before you take any more trips, you always check the lug nuts. You know, from that point on until I came off the road with that trailer, every Saturday before we got on the road, I would get my lug wrench out, and there were 52 lug nuts between six tires on the, on the trailer and uh, four tires on the truck, eight lug nuts each on the truck, six each on the trailer. I went around to every single one of them with that lug nut wrench and made sure they were tight. Have you checked the lug nuts of your life spiritually lately? You know, here in college, we get going pretty fast, don't we? Schedule moves along pretty quickly. We get into a routine of classes and ministry and, and our work schedules and all of these things, and it's easy oftentimes to not check the lug nuts. The things that are very, very important to keep us moving forward in our journey for Jesus Christ. Here we are at the start of another semester, another, another year, 2021. I wonder how secure are the lug nuts of your Christian life. This is a week to get out the lug wrench and tighten some things up. Because the devil is gonna make sure that wherever there's a little play in your life, wherever there's a little something that's not quite set in your life, that's where he's gonna attack. That's where he's gonna move in and he's gonna work that back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so many times during the course of a semester, boom. Something hits, and all of a sudden, we're on the side of the road of our Christian life. All of a sudden, we're looking for a spiritual tow truck to get us in to have some repairs made in our life. So I believe there are three areas worthy of our examination this morning in our life. And the psalmist here is asking the Lord, examine me, examine me, search me, see what's loose in my life that needs to be tightened up. First of all, we need to examine our priorities. Our priorities. What are your roles in your life right now? <clears throat> what I mean by that is, who are you? Well, first of all, you're a Christian. I hope. If you're not, I hope you become one very quickly. You're a Christian. You are a son or a daughter. You are a student. You're a church member somewhere. You have a church. You will be or are an employee. You are a friend. There are people who call you a friend. These are roles in your life. You may have others, but I know you have those. So how are you in those relationships? Is everything good in your Christian life? How's your devotional life? How many, how many days did you read your Bible over the break? Every day? Or just once in a while? 
or not at all. Better check the lug nut. How's your prayer life? How's your relationship as a Christian? Are you tithing? Are you a witness? Check the lug nuts. This is a time to examine if there's something that's not right in our relationship with God. That's first and foremost our role. We are a Christian. We're a child of God. We belong to the king. we got to make sure that our life is right with him. Is there sin in our life that's blocking us from that relationship? The devil's going to attack. He's going he's to make some play there, and all of a sudden there's going to be an accident. All of a sudden, Dr. Shetler's going to get a call. All of a sudden, we're going to have to call your parents. All of a sudden, maybe you're not going to be able to be allowed in school anymore. Why? Because your Christian life, you weren't checking the lug nuts. How's your relationship with your parents? Everything tight there? How's your relationship as a student? Are you entering another semester saying, oh, I gotta go back to classes and gotta put up with this and oh, I'm not sure I even gonna like these classes. Why are you here? You're here to prepare. You're here to prepare your life for, for life and ministry and, 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 and success in your marriage and so on. All these things are at stake. Make sure that the lug nuts of your student life are, are tight and ready to go. As a church member, if everybody was the church member you are, what kind of a church would you have? What if everybody gave in the offering like you give? What if everybody witnessed like you witness? What if everybody listened in services like you listen? What kind of a church would we have? We are a church member. We're part of a, a body of a local assembly, whether it's here at Lancaster, whether it's still back home. Uh, while you're here in college, if your church membership is back in your home church, you need to stay connected to that. There are things they are depending on you to pray for them about. There are things that you need to be involved in, praying for your pastor and encouraging folks back home to stay true to the Lord during these difficult times. They're counting on you to do that. The Lord is counting on you. What kind of a work ethic will you have this, this semester at your job? Well, I gotta make some money, I gotta, you know, I gotta pay my bills, and so I'm gonna take this dumb job and I'll do as little as possible, or maybe I can, you know, get by with doing almost nothing. Listen, don't have that spirit. Get those lug nuts tied in your workplace and, and make sure whether you're working here on campus or off campus that you have a testimony that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, in your friendships, people around you are depending on you. They're depending on your encouragement. They're depending on your positive spirit. They're depending on your prayers for one another. Oh, listen, this semester will go absolutely phenomenal if you and I will work together as a team and not allow the jealousies and the envies and the, and the, and the, the unforgiveness and the, and the things that sometimes can get into a, 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 a place like this and cause that schism in the body. Be careful. Put a priority on pleasing Christ in all of these relationships. For to me to live is Christ, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Live on purpose. Live with your priorities in view. Live for those things that you know God has put you in as a, as a Christian, as a, as, a, as, a, as a son or daughter, as a church member, as a student, whatever it is that God's given you as a role, you're going to get involved in some ministries. Take that seriously. Those little kids in, in, that, in that class on Sunday morning, they're depending on you. 
Those people that you minister to, whether you're waving cars through a parking lot, they're depending on you to have the right spirit and the right attitude about all those things. Take your priorities seriously. Put a priority on those things every day. Then we need to examine not only our priorities, but we need to examine the peripheral. The peripheral. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. What Paul is talking about there is not necessarily sinful things. He's talking about things that would be lawful. In other words, they're not wrong to do, but they're not necessarily the best thing to do. They're peripheral things. I have peripheral things in my life. There are things that I would, I would like to do. I have books in my library that I would like to read. I don't need to read them. I don't have to read them. I'm not required to read them. I just would like to read them. But I'm not going to read them today. I could. I could go up to my office later and just say, you know, I'm going to read some of these books I've been wanting to read. But that wouldn't be the priority of today. Today, I have some meetings. I have some responsibilities. I have some things that are, are part of who I am and why I'm here and, and, and what my responsibility is to you as a student body, as executive vice president. So that takes priority. Now, I could easily get bogged down with a peripheral. Um, Henry Aaron died this morning. Hank Aaron, Hammer and Hank. He was one of my favorite baseball players when I was growing up as a kid. I went to see Hank Aaron play in the 1960s at Milwaukee County Stadium against the Dodgers. Sandy, Sandy Colfax pitched that day, and Hammer and Hank hit two home runs off of him. I'll never forget it. First baseball game I ever went to. He died this morning. I just saw it on my phone. At some point today, tomorrow, I'll probably read an article about Hank Aaron. But it's not a priority right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, these are things I'd like to do. These are things that may not be wrong to do, that they're not going to destroy my life if I do, but they're not important. They're not my priority. You know what happens to a lot of college students? We get hunkered down in the peripheral stuff, and we forget the priorities. Now, there's nothing wrong with some peripheral things like a video game. There's nothing wrong with chilling out in the, in the GA for a while to your friends. That's a necessary part of college life. But be careful that every day you examine the peripheral. Because if you're not careful, pretty soon you're, you know, you're on your computer and you're, you're looking at some stuff. It's not sinful. It's not wrong. It's just interesting or you know, whatever. Or you get just hanging around your friends or you get playing a video game and all of a sudden your time for study is gone. And the priorities are getting shoved to the side and the peripheral is rising to the top because it's easier, it's more fun, it's enjoyable, it's relaxing, I don't have to think. And so humanly, we gravitate toward those peripheral things. When God has called us some, to some priorities. I, th I think about a story in John chapter 4 where Jesus came to Samaria. And uh, Jesus was weary with his journey. He sat on a well and the disciples said, we need to go get something to eat. So they went into the city to buy something to eat. Jesus remained at the well. Now, do you suppose Jesus was hungry? In his human flesh, he was hungry. He hungered. He, he was thirsty. And I'm sure if the disciples were hungry, Jesus was hungry. 
They had traveled the same distance. They had walked the same amount of miles. They had put out the same amount of energy to get where they were. And Jesus, no doubt, was hungry. The disciples, that's what they were thinking about. We got to find something to eat in this place. And so they went off to get something to eat. But Jesus stayed at the well. Why? Because Jesus, being God, knew what his priority was for being in Samaria. And that was, there was going to be a woman coming to that well in a few minutes that he was going to win to himself. And so Jesus focused on that priority, didn't he? When the disciples came back, they were astonished that he talked with the woman. They were surprised. I mean, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, and they were kind of, you know, wondering about that. And then after it was all over and she had left, they said, uh, 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 Master, eat. We brought, hey, we brought you a hamburger, you know. And Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. You see, Jesus wasn't saying it's wrong to eat. He wasn't saying it's sinful to go to lunch. But there are times where the priority is more important than the peripheral. And that's why every day we have to examine those things. We have to look at those things. What are my priorities today? I've got this test. I've got to get to work. I've I've got to write my family this week. I've got to get that on my schedule. I've got to do those things. Why? Because they're priorities. They're part of who I am. I've got to go out soul winning this week. I, I didn't get to go uh, 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 this, this Thursday. I've got to go out this Saturday. I've got to do it. Uh, you know, we've got to keep the priorities and examine those things. Because in Bible college, we're always, we're always it's easy to just kind of settle for the peripheral and get involved in those things that really aren't priority. So examine the priorities, examine the peripheral, and then let me say finally, examine the pollution. Examine the pollution. I was thinking about the NFL and the four teams that are left playing for the Super Bowl. And I like to follow that a little bit. You know, those football players... They have to wear a mask all the time, except when they're on the field. They wear little bracelets that track them everywhere they go. Those little bracelets keep track of how close they are to their teammates. So that if one of those teammates in that room gets COVID, they can't play next week because they didn't keep enough distance. And that that little bracelet, it lets the league know Let's the league office know that they were in contact within six feet of another player that now is sick, and so now they can't play. They wear those bracelets. I'm sure they're not really all that attractive. I'm sure they're not designer bracelets, but they wear them. They don't go out to eat. They, They don't go out and socialize. Practice is over. They go home. They stay home with their families. I followed these teams, and I followed some who broke the protocol, and as a result, some games had to be moved, and, 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 and sometimes the team had to play without any quarterbacks. Because in the quarterback room, they didn't follow. And I'll guarantee you, those four teams that are left, they're not messing around now. That Super Bowl's on the line. That Super Bowl is the priority. What a tragedy if they, if, if, if they were the best team and they knew that we can win that Super Bowl, but because we let down 
in one little area of our life, it costs us a chance to play in the biggest game of our life. Young people, do you realize that God has something for you that's a lot bigger than a Super Bowl? And if a football player has that much consciousness to know, oh, yeah, I got all these people that want to meet me and want to get tickets to this or want to, want to meet me for this or they want to film this commercial and I could make a bunch of money doing that or I could, but I got to say no right now. Because the priority is winning that Super Bowl. The priority is being there for my team. The priority is, is, is being able to participate in that, in that game. And so I'm going to put all this other stuff aside for that goal. And we've got to have that mindset here as Bible college students that God has a will of God that's beyond any Super Bowl for your life. God has a plan that's absolutely superlative. It's the best life that anybody can ever live, and that's a life for Jesus Christ. Don't blow it. I'm not talking about wearing your mask now. I'm not talking about social distancing for health reasons. I'm talking about areas of your life where you need to check some lug nuts. In this area of pollution, Jeremiah said, your iniquities have withholden good things from you. Every day, we got to check that lug nut of pollution. Have I allowed something into my life that's going to cause spiritual harm to me? Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Now, salt is made up of two elements, sodium and chloride. That's all, so, that's all salt is. It's sodium chloride. And I'm told by science, chemistry class that that sodium chloride, when you put it together and form salt, no matter what you do to that salt, you can, you can liquefy it, you can boil it and liquefy salt, but in its composition, it's still just sodium chloride. It doesn't change in its composition if you heat it up and liquefy it. If you freeze salt, it doesn't change the composition. It's still sodium chloride. If you crush salt into tiny little pieces, it's still in composition simply sodium chloride. That's all it is, and it never changes in its composition. Now, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, well, how does the salt lose its savor? You've probably, at some point in your life, tasted salt that wasn't salty. You, you took a salt shaker and tried to sprinkle some on your food and it didn't even come out the holes. It was all kind of crystallized in there and you took the cover off and tasted it and it didn't even taste like salt. It was just kind of bland. You thought, what happened? How does salt lose its savor? If salt, no matter what you do to it, is still sodium chloride, how does salt lose its savor? How does salt become unsalty? Chemistry tells us the only way that salt becomes unsalty or unsavory is by contamination. When something else gets into the elements of sodium chloride, when that contamination takes place, immediately the salt loses its savor. You see why Jesus called us salt? When our lives are free from the pollution of this world, when our lives are clear of sin, when we're confessing sin daily, and when we're keeping our life clear and clean with God, we have influence. We, we make the gospel taste good to those that are losing their appetite for God. 
We create thirst. We're salty. We create thirst. When people see our life, they say, man, they've got something I want. We, we, we are an irritant to those that live contrary to God. You get a little salt in the wound, oh, it stings, it hurts. And when you get around people that are blaspheming God and laughing at crude jokes or whatever, and you don't laugh or you don't participate, you're a little irritant in their, in their wound of conscience. And you're a preservative of the truth by being salt. You're preserving God's word and God's testimony in this world. Salt is important. But God said if a little pollution, if a little contaminant gets into your life, it makes your salt unsalty. And the Lord said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Jesse, stand up. He's a tall guy, isn't he? You know what? Jesse's good for nothing. This kid, he's been around here now. How, how long have you been here? Three years. Three years. I've watched this kid. He is good for nothing. He's absolutely good for nothing. Now, you know I'm kidding. But if I meant that, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty low, isn't it? And if I said that, Jesse Everson kid, he's good for nothing. He's an absolute, total, good-for-nothing person. There's not one good thing in him. The pastor came here and said, hey, I've heard about Jesse Everson. I'm thinking about hiring him. I said, oh, don't hire him. He's good for nothing. I mean, if I said that, that's about as low as you can go. It's not me saying it. Thank you, Jesse. You are good for something. Good for a college illustration. Imagine God saying to you or me, John Gatch, you're good for nothing. Well, Lord, I, 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 I could still preach at a small church, right? No. No, you're good for nothing. Well, Lord, I could, uh, I could still sing in the choir, though, right? No. Good for nothing. Oh, but I, 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 I could help out Brother Bert in the children's meeting. No. No, you're good for nothing. But to be cast out, trodden underfoot of men. You know what they did with salt in Jesus' day when it became unsalty? They didn't put it on the fields because it would kill everything out there. It was still sodium chloride. By the way, there are a lot of Christians that are killing everything out in the harvest fields if you're not salty, stay out of the fields. Christians are killing us out in the fields. The fields are white unto harvest. But we're killing the harvest because we're not salty. They didn't put that salt in the fields. It would kill everything. They put it in the street to be trodden down. It was good for nothing. And I really believe that's what Paul was thinking of when he wrote 1 Corinthians 9. And he talked about running the race and being temperate in all things and keeping himself clean. And he said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We don't lose our salvation. What a sad thing when Christians lose their saltiness and God sets them over here on a shelf and says, I can't use you now because you're unsalty.
I encourage you at the beginning of this semester, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some time, but get your lug wrench out. Go around all the wheels of your life. It would take about 15 minutes for me to check all 52 of those lug nuts every Saturday morning. I'd get that wrench out of the back of my truck, and I'd do the truck first, front wheels and back wheels. 32 there, then back to the trailer. Check every one of them. Because I never wanted that accident to happen again. This can be a great semester if we check the lug nuts. Priority, peripheral, pollution. 